0: Church.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Tyler, give me my... I'm going to say that again. It's Christmas. Okay, okay, just making sure you're still the same crowd that I'm used to. All right. Had me worried there a minute. I thought y'all were like the ba ba a humbug crowd, right? So it's it's Christmas, believe me. I don't know where the year went. Anybody else figure out where the year went? I can't figure it out. But here we are in December, and it's time to think about Christmas. And, uh, Christmas is an interesting season for me because even um, the most cynical and grinchy of those people in our okay, my uh, okay, there are some grinchy people in the world, right? Uh, maybe you're not one of them. Maybe you're sitting next to one of them this morning. Don't elbow now. Uh, but even it seems like in the Christmas season, even when uh, it's the most cynical, grinchy people around, something happens at Christmas, and we're filled with all kinds of emotions. Um, we're, we, we start having these memories. We're nostalgic. Anybody else get nostalgic at Christmas? Y'all watching the Christmas specials already on TV? We start thinking, hey, all we really want to do is we just want to remember what it's like to be kids again and on the Christmas day, Christmas morning and all the excitement, right? That's what's happening. And and so we, we start thinking about Christmas. And most of us would agree that even if the rest of the year was horrible, even if the rest of the year was marked with sadness, maybe sickness, all the other things that could be happening, most of us would agree, uh, come to this conclusion that at Christmas, even though we don't know why, we start thinking this, it's gonna be all right. Everything is all right at Christmas. But I just need to um, take you back uh, to the first account of Christmas. If you will, I want you to join me. We're going to look at the original Christmas story because I know we get filled with all this nostalgia and all these memories and all of these emotions, but I really want us to break down the Christmas story and recognize what was going on because in our nostalgia, in our uh, the demands that we place on this season in our own minds, we often miss truth that we need to embrace. So if you will, turn to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 18 and 19, then we're going to go into chapter two and read verse 13 through 15. So what we're doing is we're looking at the original Christmas story. Listen to what happens. These are the facts concerning the birth of Jesus Christ. His mother Mary was engaged to be uh, married to Joseph, but while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit, how many of you know right there that uh, there's some issues? Like uh, J- Joseph, Mary comes to Joseph, said, "Abel, hey, I love you, well, I appreciate you, uh, but I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit." Yeah, right. Don't you know that Mary Joseph kind of is like, yeah, come on now. Nobody else, okay, y'all don't have to read the account like I read it. I just think that if I'm Joseph, I'm looking at her and rolling my eyes a few times and not really sure she's telling me the truth, right? So let's don't let's not clean this thing up. This is what happened. And so there's already trouble in paradise. So now Joseph, here's Joseph, here's the guy in the story, right? Here's Joseph. Then Joseph, her fiance, being a man of stern principle, decided to break the engagement, but to do it quietly as he didn't want to publicly disgrace her. Okay, y'all want to sing Silent Night, Holy Night? Because this don't sound like Silent Night, Holy Night, does it? No, yeah, 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 this sounds like real life. And so that's what's going on. Then we go into chapter two. So in chapter two, we discover that these wise dudes show up, right? They, you know, uh, the the guys with the gifts. You, you Are y'all still here? Okay, y'all know the Christmas story, right? All right, so these wise jokers show, show up, and they got all these gifts. And so now this is what happens. It says they leave, and this is what the scripture says, in verse, starting in verse 13. After they were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, get up and flee to Egypt with the baby and his mother, the angel said, and stay there until I tell you to return for King Herod is going to try to kill the child. And that same night he left for Egypt with Mary and the baby and stayed there until King Herod's death. This fulfilled the prophet's prediction. I have called my son from Egypt. So here's what happens. We place a demand on Christmas I know you probably didn't think about it, but but the truth is, is that when you start thinking about the Christmas story and thinking about the season, we begin to place demands on the account. We we place the demand for nostalgia. We want to remember it a certain way. We it to remember it all cleaned up, no issues, no problems. We wanted to match all the songs we sing about it. We wanted to match the nativity scene that we create and place on our coffee table in our living room. We want it to look like that. And so because... because... Because we have that preconceived idea or this nostalgic idea of what Christmas really was like, we failed to recognize and and we miss the truth that Jesus' arrival in the lives of Mary and Joseph and the community around them created some issues. So instead, what we do is we sing songs. We, we make up these cool Christmas songs that we, if, if you're, you know, unless you're really a Christmas fanatic, you only sing them in December. But some of y'all sing them all year long. I'm not going to pick on you, but you're weird. Okay, so anyway, we sing songs like Silent Night, Holy Night, Always Calm, Always Bright. Wait just a minute. I'm telling you, on the authority of Scripture... That it was not calm. It was not calm. Think about this now. It was not calm. And we can sing the song all we want to, but that doesn't make it true. And so then, not only do we place a demand on the, on the, on the account, we place demands on preachers. Because see, what you, uh, there, there's a demand that you're placing on me right now. I, I didn't have to ask you before I got in here. I already knew the demand that you were going to place on me. Because what you want me to tell you at the Christmas season is, is that you want, me to, you want to hear this, this right here. You want to hear that when Jesus shows up on the scene, he made everything right. Now, let's be honest. Let me, let me uh, meet the demands that you placed upon me this morning. When Jesus shows up, he made everything right. Okay, you need to hear me say that, right? Okay, so I, I, I met your demands, so now let me tell you the truth. The truth is Jesus did make everything right. But can I also tell you this truth, that there, there, there is this fact. When Jesus shows up, Jesus' arrival in the lives of Mary and, Martha, or Mary, Mary and Joseph, turned everything upside down. Come on now. <laughs> okay, so in fact, I want to submit to you that what may be an obvious but often overlooked truth in, in, the, in, in, in this account about Jesus' arrival is that even those of us who claim to be in tight relationship, even, even those of us that would testify, we know him. We miss this. We ignore this truth. The Christmas account bears this truth out, but we dismiss it. We we won't recognize it because it doesn't line up with our nostalgic idea of what took place. So I just need to be the one to remind you this morning that even though it doesn't fit our stylized concept of Christmas, it's still the truth. Here it is. Are you ready? I'm just going to give you the truth about Christmas. I'm going to give you the truth about Jesus' arrival. And that is this one indication that Jesus has arrived in your life life is change change i bring that to your attention in this christmas season because so many of us that embrace jesus never really embrace the change that accompanies the arrival of jesus in our life so therefore what we do is we simply want to add him to our life but we want to keep living like we've always lived we say we know him, we say we've come into relationship with him, he's arrived into our spirit, into our heart, but we never experience any real significant change. And that, is, that cannot be what takes place because I've proven to you that when Jesus shows up, there's always change. Always change. So, so during the Christmas season, what I want to do is I want to take you back to the experience of Mary and Joseph for just a moment, and I want you to sh- I want to show you that when Jesus shows up, it turns everything upside down for them. The, 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 think about I, I, I need you to place yourself in the in the story for just a moment. I want you to put yourself in the account of Mary and Joseph. You get to pick which one you want to be. It Doesn't really matter because they both experience significant change. I I just want you to think about their account just for a moment. Would you Would you play like you're back in the Christmas play when you were eight years old and you were Joseph with the, the, the bed sheet on, on your head and the robe on, or maybe with the, you were Mary with the pillow up under your, okay, just for a moment, would you, would you just, because I, I want to walk you through what happens. Here's, here it is. They're engaged. Joseph has popped the question. He's gone to Jared some of y'all don't know. They didn't know it. I don't know what they do in first service. They must not watch TV. Haven't y'all know, don't you know that the, unless you buy the ring at Jared, it doesn't really count? I mean, that's what they tell us. He'd gone to Jared. He'd bought the ring. He got down on one knee. He proposed. They are now engaged, right? Okay, so so, so uh, wedding arrangements are being made. They, they've mailed out the save the date cards. What are save the date cards? When Julie and I did not do save the date cards, I didn't even know what a save the date card was. We thought that our wedding day was so important the whole world would know what it was about, whether we send a save the date card out or not. But now you gotta send out save the date cards before you send out invitations. Because, never mind. All right, so they've sent out the save the date cards. The invitations have been sent to the printer, Right? Come on now, think. Put yourself in their situation. This is what's happening. Uh, the, the deposits have been submitted for the venues. They've picked out their favorite little chapel. Yeah, come on. Food choices have been finalized. I mean, we got fancy cake and you know chocolate uh, chocolate cake for the groom and a and a white moist cake for the the the, the bride and and we got little white cookies with all that. Dust on them. I don't know what it is. But my favorite kind of cookie. I don't know. I just like them. I don't know. I'm getting hungry, I guess. And all that's been arranged. Flowers have been picked out. Right? That's what's going on here. Um, a dress has been designed. Can't forget the dress. Got to say yes to the dress. Can't remember You can't forget the dress now. They've gone out of their way. They've designed it. It's got just enough lace, just enough pearls. Got the train nine miles long. Costs $92,000, but don't worry about it. We got the dress picked out. Right? Yeah. Living arrangements are beginning to be talked about. They sit on the, the porch swing and they begin to dream about their future together and they're having these quiet, whispered conversations about all they're gonna accomplish, all they're gonna do. And all of the sudden, an angel shows up <laughs> and all the dream wedding plans are turned upside down. And now a virgin is pregnant. Back to Joseph. I just think, Joseph, we'll see how old y'all are in here because the first service was way too young. They didn't understand this reference, but it's it's, it's for my pleasure only. Joseph has been walking throughout his entire day humming, it's a nice day for a white wedding. Anybody else know? Okay, I just wanna see if I got in. Okay, yeah, yeah, we're on the same wavelength. Some of y'all don't know. (laughs) It's a nice day for a white wedding, but now in one moment, one announcement, Mary and Joseph go from a traditional wedding plan to a shotgun wedding plan, right? I mean, everything has changed. They instantly transition from being single to married. They go from newlyweds to parents overnight. Now, now they, uh, they, they make a, a trip to Bethlehem because of a census. Jesus is born. Wise jokers show up with these gifts, and before they ever even have a chance to go to the beach for their honeymoon trip, an angel arrives and says, not only is Jesus now born, now you need to get him up, and y'all need to make a trip to Egypt. And so they take the gifts, the gold, the Frankenstein, and the myrrh. Y'all know y'all said it like that when you were a kid. And they use it to finance their excursion, and they... oh, Right? Now now, now now, you've got, because a madman is afraid that Jesus is going to overthrow the government, he, he starts hunting them. And this couple goes from unnoticed and unwanted and ignored to being hunted and running for their lives. It forces them to move to Egypt before they even really get to set up their own household really strongly before they get, to, they, now they have to leave all their family and their friends and their community. And they slip across the border in the middle of the night and they hide out until Herod's dead. Does that sound like silent night, holy night? No, no. I've noticed that when Jesus arrives, it always produces change. I started thinking about this account more carefully and I recognize that there are two ways that Jesus turned their life upside down that I would submit to you that when we have an encounter with Jesus and when Jesus arrives into our life, It should produce the same upside down Christmas. Some of y'all messed up with upside down. I had two people call. My mom, my type type A mom called me this week as she's driving down the street. She said, the sign's messed up. Christmas is upside down. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And then my son, who's kind of the same way, called me, said, hey, dad, you got to fix the sign. The logo's upside down on purpose because Jesus, Jesus turns everything upside down. Let me, let, me, let me submit to you that Jesus' arrival first turned their plans upside down. See, Jesus' birth causes their precise, their laid out, prepared, mapped out plans to go out the window. You do know that in their culture, the, the wedding plans took place long. way. Some of y'all think y'all had a long engagement. I just need you to understand. In the culture that they're in, the, the engagement process was long and drawn out. In fact, Joseph had probably been working back at his dad's house, adding on a room because that's what they did. They didn't go get their own house. They just built a room on the house of their father. And then they would move in as part of the estate. And so all of these plans, all these carefully mapped out, laid out plans are suddenly changed. And his arrival forced them to adjust and change how they'd planned to live. And I wonder how many of us this morning during this Christmas season have asked Jesus into our heart, but we never allow him to adjust or turn or impact or or flip our calendar, our dating choices, our career choices, how we use our money, how we use our time, how we use our talents. We never really approach Jesus like that. We just want Jesus to move into our life, but we never allow him to have the authority, the reign in our life to turn our plans upside down. Mary and Joseph would look at us and just shake their heads and because when Jesus showed up in their lives, his arrival changed every plan. The, the truth is today is that until we come to this place, I'm not talking about whether you're saved or not because the Bible says that when we pray and we, we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts, then at that moment, there's this exchange that takes place and our eternity is, is, is settled in heaven and, and, and we're in relationship with him. My question is not about that. My question is this, is or my, my statement is this, is until we come to the place that we allow Jesus to have the authority to make us change our plans, then I would submit to you that he hasn't really arrived in your life. Some of us testify of the lordship of Jesus, but, but uh, I would beg to differ because you're still living like you've always lived and you're still doing what you've always done and you're still making all the decisions on your own. And the truth is, is that Jesus is not on the throne of your life. You are. And the fact is this, is that you, you make your plans, you decide your plans and you never submit them to Jesus and you'll never let Jesus veto those plans. Some of you never say a word about the Lordship of Jesus, but we can testify about you this morning that we, we have no doubt about the fact that Jesus has arrived in your life, whether you say anything or not, because you were marching one way and you were doing your own thing at, at one point in your life. And when Jesus arrived in your life, everything changed. And without saying a word, all of a sudden, all your plans changed. And rather than fighting and arguing and trying to negotiate your own way, you simply responded, yes, sir. And you made the changes that he desired for you you. you to make and so we can testify of your life that Jesus arrived simply by recognizing that you've allowed him to adjust your plan. Some of you in this moment, in this season are freaking out right now because your life hasn't turned out like you thought it should. Like this isn't the deck that you thought you were gonna be handed. These aren't the cards you wanted to play. You're freaking out because you had it all mapped out, all planned out, all lined out. And instead, it seems like everything around you spinning in chaos and everything around you is different and changed. I mean, I just submit to you this morning, that maybe that's an indication that Jesus is in the mix of your life. Maybe you ought to relax to recognize that Jesus is in the, in the middle of your life because if he has the authority and the ability to make you change your plans, he's arrived. And Mary and Joseph would stand here and, 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 and testify and go, Bless them, Lord. <laughs> Bless them. And we know what they've been through. We know what they've experienced because Jesus' arrival changes your plans. But, but it changes a second way. Uh, even when it takes you off your map, he, his arrival changes our plans. But there's a second way. I, I, I noticed the second thing he does is Jesus' arrival turned their path upside down. I think we miss it. We read it. We read it. It's just a passing statement in Luke, in Matthew chapter uh, two, uh, the wise guys are gone and and they've left these gifts and all of a sudden an angel appears and says, get up and go to Egypt, Joseph. And we miss it. We pass right over it. We begin to talk like this, think like this. Egypt must've just been like a vacation. They needed a vacation. That's what happened here. The angel recognized they need a vacation. It's an excursion, y'all. They just, they were bored. Like they, they didn't have enough stuff going on in their life and they'd kind of gotten in, stuck in a routine and they needed a little excitement. So Joseph just one morning wakes up after eating pizza late one night, wakes up the next morning, says, the angel says, we got to go. And so they go, it's just an adventure. They needed, they needed some excitement in their life. So they, did, they make up their minds to travel to Egypt. Okay. It's the honeymoon, y'all. They didn't get to have a honeymoon and they'd seen honeymoon. They'd seen Egypt listed on Discover Channel about one of the top 10 places to go on your honeymoon. So they finally got some finances. They got the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. So babe, let's go to Egypt, right? It's no big deal. We treat it like it's no big deal. We read right over it. It's no big deal. But, but this move was a big Stinking deal. Think about this a moment. This move to, to make this move, they had to go outside of their comfort zone. They had to go where they had no friends. They moved to where there was no family. Listen to this they were foreigners, they were refugees, they were aliens, they were wanted, they were hunted. This was not a selected plan or a desired path. I can assure you, I can can guarantee you, I can't find it in scripture, but let me put myself in Joseph's place just for a moment and tell you, I I promise you this is true. Joseph had never really planned to go to Egypt. All right, are y'all with me? Because now let's think of who Joseph is. Joseph is a Jewish man. Tell me where the Israelites had been captive. Think about it. Yeah, I ain't going back to that place because we just got out of there. We were slaves there. They imprisoned us there. They used us there. I just have to think and summarize and come to a logical conclusion that Joseph really had no desire, no plan to go to Egypt. But when Jesus arrives in their life, it changed their path. And I point that out to you because I need to submit this to you this morning. When Jesus really arrives in your life, it will change your path. In other words, when you have a genuine, I said it like this first service, I said it like this so those of you from West Oklahoma can catch it. When you have a genuine encounter, a bona fide, authentic encounter with Jesus. Can I tell you that you will not be able to walk the way you did before you met him? In fact, in Isaiah chapter 45, the scripture teaches us that one of the attributes of our father is this. It talks about God. It says that God, he makes the crooked path straight Right? I'm looking at it to make sure I'm telling you exactly what it says. It says that he has the ability to make the crooked path straight. In other words, one of the attributes of our father is when we come into relationship with his son, our crooked path becomes straight. Because before we meet him, we're going every which way. I'm going to the right. I'm going to the left. I'm zigging. I'm zagging. I'm trying to find my way to fulfillment and to life. But now when I submit my life to Jesus, one of the attributes, one of the ways that we know that Jesus has arrived in your life is this, get this y'all, he straightens us out. Some of of y'all just need to be straightened out just a little bit. Come on, don't, don't hit your neighbor right now. Some of you just need to be straightened out. We can tell that he hasn't arrived in your life because your path is still zigging and zagging and going to places that you shouldn't go, going places you used to go. But when you've had a genuine encounter with Jesus, my path becomes straight and he deals with my walk and with my journey. So if you're gonna look for indications to reveal that we're in relationship with Jesus, one of those indications is that we now walk differently. I'm so thrilled. I don't know if y'all are thrilled, but I'm thrilled that in Matthew chapter one, the writer declares that Jesus would be called Emmanuel, which we translate to mean God with us. Jesus is God with skin on. In fact, if you go into John chapter four, the message Bible says it like this, that Jesus, because he's God with skin on and he he's Emmanuel, he's God with us. The, the, The writer, the translator in the message Bible says it like this, Jesus moves into our neighborhood. Anybody else thankful that Jesus moved into your neighborhood? I'm so thankful that Jesus moved into my neighborhood. I am so thankful that Jesus is God with me. He's right here with me. He's moved into my neighborhood. I'm thankful for that. But can I tell you this morning, the dilemma is this. A lot of us are thankful that he's moved into our neighborhood. But we don't like the fact that when he shows up in our neighborhood, he makes us change neighborhoods. You say, what are you talking about, Steve? I'm talking about the fact that he impacts our path. Jesus literally when we have a genuine encounter with him Jesus literally makes us feel like change of address notices Are you are you so, so, so here's me before Jesus. I, I, I'm living in, in, in a neighborhood. It's the bad attitude subdivision. All of a sudden, I have an encounter with Jesus, a genuine encounter with Jesus. And because I've had a genuine encounter with Jesus and because he turns my path upside down, I have to fill out change of notice address that I can no longer live in bad attitude neighborhood. Now I've got to come over here and change neighborhoods. I used to I, I I used to reside in this neighborhood called no perspective. I had no perspective on anything. I could only see what was right in front of me. Jesus moves into my life and because he deals with my path, his arrival mandates that my path change. So now I have his perspective on stuff and I can't make bad decisions right now without looking long-term about the impact because I've got I've moved to a different neighborhood. We want Jesus into our, our we want Jesus to move into our neighborhood. We just don't want him to force us to move out of our neighborhood. He changes our path. You want me to get really where you're at? He forces you to change the habits. He forces you to change your mindsets. He forces you to change all of those things because he turns our path upside down. We can't walk like we used to walk. I need to inform you that in case you've forgotten, when you encounter Jesus, your path should and must be changed. We no longer walk our path. We walk his path. That's why we can agree with David. When David made this statement, he said, your word is a lamp for my feet and a, here's that term again that Julie mentioned, light, a light to my path, right? Your word, your written word John, who, who did John say the word is? The, the word became flesh. So Jesus is the, the word. Who do we invite into our life? The word. So now we recognize that his written word and the word that became flesh and lives in me is the lamp. He is the guiding factor. He is the illumination for my walk. So now I no longer go my own way. He lights the selected path that I should walk. I can't wander my own path all week and then just walk his path on Sunday. Jesus' arrival in my my life will turn my path upside down. So this is what happens. I will walk places I would have never walked before. I use the illustration of my own life. I recognize that Jesus moved into my own life. So when Jesus comes into my life, he mandates, dictates, determines, has the authority to set my path. So when I graduate Bible college, Jesus says, go to McCall, South Carolina. Ain't nobody wanting to move to McCall, South Carolina. That don't mean nothing to y'all because you ain't never been to McCall, South Carolina. But if you've ever been to McCall, South Carolina, you know ain't nobody making no plans to move to McCall, South Carolina, especially in 1990 because in 1990, McCall, South Carolina was the poorest town of the poorest state in the, the poorest town of the poorest county of the poorest state in the entire union. It was a rough town. I had people shooting in my front yards. I had crazy stuff happening. I would not have chosen to move to McCall, South Carolina. Move me to Dallas, move me to Miami, Florida, move me to somewhere else, but don't move me to McCall, South Carolina. But here's the problem. Jesus had arrived in my life. and so he determines my plans and my path. So so when Jesus shows up, you go places you would not have gone. But there are also places you used to go you can't go back to any Some of y'all are claiming to be in an experience and an encounter with Jesus, but you're still hanging out with the same crowd you used to hang out with before you found Jesus. And Jesus is saying, you can't hang out with them anymore. Some of you still having the same conversations with people that you don't need to have conversations with anymore. Some of you still watching the same Facebook feeds you watched before. You can't watch all that stuff, listen to all that stuff anymore, because he has determined that he will turn your path upside down so that he can put you on the right journey and straighten your hind end out. Is that too blunt? Because some of y'all just need to be straightened out. And you would be if you would follow his path. So I, I, I learned that I have to avoid places I used to frequent. Why? Because he now determines my path. Why? Why do we call him the way if we won't let him be the way? Listen, he's not, he's, not, he's not a way. He's not one of the ways. He is the way. Scripture says that Jesus is the way. Capital T, capital H, capital E, capital W, capital A, capital Y. He is the way. So if he's the way, we should walk how? In the way. He changed. So, so so this is what I want you to do this year during Christmas. I want you to sing all your favorite Christmas goofy songs. I want you to sing, I want you to sing stuff like All I Want for Christmas is my two front teeth. If that's all you want for Christmas, fine for you. I got some, I got a list. If you want my list, I'll give you my list. I'm not really, I, that's not going to satisfy me. Sing them all. Sing, sing, sing. Uh, uh, grandmama got run over by some animal that Steve didn't shoot during hunting season because he just didn't sing. Sing about hippopotamuses. S- sing, sing. mommy's kissing some dude in the front room, dressed up like Santa Claus, sing it all. But I just want to remind you that this morning, before you started singing all that stuff, you sang this song. We didn't make you sing it. I know it. you say, well, it had cool rhythm and cool drums. I recognize, I, I, but, but, but nobody twisted your arm. I didn't position people in the congregation to say, you know what, sing. We'll break your arm if you don't sing. You sang it on your own. You sang. Jesus, you change everything. You sang it. So I just want to challenge you this morning that during this Christmas season, sing all the other stuff, but remember that the song that you sang this morning says, Jesus, you change everything. Well, what is everything? My plans and my path. And one of the most significant indications, the earliest indication of Jesus' arrival in your life is simply this, change. Everything changes. So my question to you this morning, if we pull it all down to what questions should we ask ourselves in Christ, in, during Christmas season, this is it, I'm gonna give you one question. Just one question that I, I'm begging you to ask this, 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 this season. Has the arrival Of Jesus turned your plans and your path upside down. Because I think I know most of the people in this room and most everybody in here would claim they've been reborn. But is there any indication that being reborn changed anything? Here's the dilemma. Too many of us will allow him to alter our soul, but we will refuse to allow him to alter our plans or our path. And all I'm asking you to do during this Christmas season is simply this, ask this question, Jesus, maybe you ought to do more than just ask a question. Maybe you ought to make a statement. Jesus, I declare that I will give you permission, the authority. I will establish you as the king, the ruler the boss of my life to the degree that I will let you change everything about my life. All my well thought out, well laid out precise plans change them. All of my path, all the decisions I'm making, I'm making on a daily basis about where I go, who I hang out with, how I spend my time, Jesus, I'll bring you into the mix, and you have the authority and the right to change any one of those path decisions because I need you to straighten me out. Has the arrival of Jesus turned your plans and your path upside down. Father, I pray in Jesus' name in this moment, very private moment between us and you. It's like there's nobody else in the room, just us. Just me and you. I pray in this moment that we would be very honest and transparent before you. There's nothing hidden from you anyway. I pray that as we lay our lives bare before you right now, you would speak to us those of us that claim to be in relationship with your son Jesus, those of us that claim to be redeemed, those of us that claim to be saved, those of us that claim to be reborn, I pray in this moment right now we would be honest about our plans and our path. I pray in this moment, Jesus, that we would give you the authority, the right to turn our plans upside down. Father, I pray for folks in this room right now that that have everything planned out to the degree that when the plan doesn't go the way they thought it should go, it freaks them out. It depresses them. It stresses them. It steals their joy. I pray that in this moment you would speak to every one of us that say we're followers of Christ. God, I pray in Jesus' name right now, Jesus, would you come in would you arrive in our life to the degree that we submit our path, our plans to you? I've crossed every T. I've dotted every I. I've got it all laid out. But Jesus, you have the, sign, the final say. You have veto power over my plans. And Jesus, I pray that you'd begin to help us submit our calendars to you, our relationships to you, our finances to you, our time to you. Father, I pray that you would show up in our path. You say in your word, Father, that you have this ability to make the crooked way straight. I pray that you'd line us out right now. We would begin to walk in the way. Jesus, we submit to your authority today that you can, you can cause us to go a different place than we would normally go. You may never call one of us to McCall, but you, you may very well call us across the street to people that don't know your son Jesus. You may call us to a different group of friends at work that need the light of Jesus. You may call us into different environments. Help us to walk your path. And Father, I pray that you'd also straighten us out so that we wouldn't go where we don't need to go the voices and the influence that need to be cut off of our life and cut out of our life would be dismissed because they don't fit with the path that you've chosen for us. I ask you, Jesus, that over this Christmas season, in the next few weeks, as we stylize and conceptualize and put nostalgia on the Christmas account, I pray that we would stop long enough to think about the fact that your son, Jesus' arrival changed everything and would we come to this place help us to come to this place where we allow you to produce change in us such significant change that people around us would be able to testify whether we say a word or not that they're different they're not the same as they used to be There's something different about them. Father, change us for your glory and for your kingdom's sake we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. In your seat, there's a card. This deals with your path. This deals with your plans. On the card, there's a place for your name, your phone number, and your email address. And all this is is a a card to help you to do three things in the coming days. We believe that Jesus orders our plans and our path. And so I know that over the course of the next few weeks, this is going to happen. On the card on the back, there's a place for you to write five names. We're going to ask you to do three three things for these individuals. The first one is we want you to pray. We want you to pray that God will give you an opportunity to invite them to our Christmas services on on December the 19th where there will be a very clear gospel message. We're believing together that God is going to see, bring people in here that don't know Jesus and they're going to get saved. So we want you to pray and, and, and pray for what are the, who are the five people that God's putting on your heart to, to pray and say, God, give me an opportunity. But then that's the second thing, not just pray. If all you're going to do is pray, don't fill out the card. You say, well, you don't believe in prayer. Yes, I do. But I think when we pray and ask God to do stuff, we got to be willing to participate. And so not only do we want you to pray, we want you to invite. When you leave today, you'll get a little invitation card. Five of them, hopefully at least. Uh, Get as many as as the names you write down. And we want you to not only pray, but we want you to go out of path. We want you to go out of your way to invite them to come to service. You say, well, what's the third thing we want you to do? We want you to be nice when they get here. We want you to sit with them, love on them, and literally love them into the kingdom. So we're going to ask you to write those names down. You say, well, why? Well, when we take up offering, like we take up offering in the back, the offering buckets will be at the back. When you're leaving, we just want you to take these cards and put them in the bucket. You say, well, why? Because as a pastoral staff, the Bible says that wherever two or three gather and agree, right? There's whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven, uh, bound, loosed. Y'all know all that, right? So... Over the course of the next two to three weeks, our pastoral team will take these cards and we're gonna pray with you. We're gonna join our faith with you so that we together will see the harvest. So I'm gonna pray real quick and then I'm gonna ask you to fill this card out real quick before uh, Austin comes to close this. I want you to really think about who is God placing in my path? Who is in his plan for me? And I want you to write those five names down quickly and we're gonna believe that they're gonna get saved this Christmas will be the best Christmas present ever. They surrender their heart and life to Jesus. So, Father, I pray right now, in our minds, in our spirit, you would remind us, bring to mind, almost like a picture, five faces of people that we know that don't know your son, Jesus, that we have influence over. I pray that right now, not in our own ability, but Through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you would remind us of people that we come into contact with on a regular basis that maybe we never planned to invite. Maybe they weren't in part of our path, but this morning you bring them to our attention. I pray right now you'd remind us five people. Bring them to mind. These are the sign folks that you have for us. We ask you to give us opportunity to invite them and we pray that they would be willing and God I pray over the folks in this room right now we would be tenacious one one rejection would not sideline us but instead we would be resilient and determined Father we believe together we're going to see a great harvest of souls during this season because that's really why your son came in the first place was to save us So I ask you to help us to participate that in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you do it real quick? Take your pen. While I wait just a second, will you get your pen? Write your name, your phone, your email. And would you begin to list the five people that Jesus is reminding you about right now. These are the people that you're assigned to. And we're going to help you pray over. Come on, Austin. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry to find more passion church resources or to make a donation online visit www.passionchurch.tv remember you can't live without passion